following audio was recorded by Gateway Church's 20s and 30s network called Anchor. The Anchor Network exists to create safe and engaging come-as-you-are environments for the young adults of our church and city to connect and explore how real life intersects with authentic faith in Jesus. For more information about Anchor, visit gatewaychurch.com forward slash north networks or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Meetup by searching for Gateway Anchor. for listening to our podcast from Gateway's 20s and 30s network, Anchor. Please subscribe not only to stay up to date on our current series, but also to get the word out on all things Anchor. The more you listen, the greater the opportunity we have to share all that God's up to. If you have any questions or comments, connect with us on social media or shoot us an email at anchor at gatewaychurch.com. two of our relationship series called I Don't Want to Be in Love. And so everyone take a big, deep breath with me. Because this can be a really hard topic. And as I wrote the teaching, I got really excited, and then I rewrote the teaching, and I got really excited, and I rewrote it again, and it has been rewritten so many times. And as I stand up here, I just get amped and amped and amped, and I'm really excited to tell you guys about biblical femininity. And if you can count how many syllables are in the word femininity and how many times I screw it up, (laughs) I'll have a nickel for anyone who counts them each time I screw it up. Hopefully less than like 25 cents because I really only have a quarter. Um, But (laughs) last week, Dan kicked us off with this series. Um, He kind of uncovered what we're talking about Uh, why we're talking about it, and how we're going to talk about it. And as he mentioned last week, a series on relationships can be daunting. It can be anxiety-inducing. It can be a little bit uncomfortable. And so we're going to lean into that a little bit more. Um, But I want to remind you all, like, we're all human, and so there's no perfect human in this space. Um, And so while we're doing our best up here to be vessels of God's word, uh, please just offer us grace throughout this series as we're talking about these topics that even us as teachers, we're kind of wrestling with some of these. Um, in fact, our alliance for this series is threefold. We do not judge, we offer grace and truth, and we keep things confidential. And so these three things need to be true about this space in order for us to talk about the things that we're going to talk about in relation to relationships. Um, And so this week, again, we're in femininity, Uh, and I think this topic's relevant to everyone in here, so men, please don't zone out on me. I think this was going to set you guys up really well for next week when we talk about masculinity. I think we need to know about femininity as well as masculinity before we step into anything else. Uh, And so this is a deeply personal topic for me. First of all, I'm a woman, so being feminine (laughs) really hits home. Second of all, I'm a woman who teaches at a church, and so I feel this kind of immense responsibility to help you guys navigate the issue of femininity in the church, and femininity in relationships, and femininity in God, and what does that all mean? And so 
Secondly, as someone who fell into a feminist mindset for a very long time, I painted men as kind of the bad guys and honestly thought that toxic, toxic masculinity was just men. And so as I wrestle with my own femininity, I also had to wrestle with my vision and my view of toxic masculinity and biblical masculinity. And then thirdly, I'm about, I think, 143 days away from being married. And so being a feminine woman means a lot in that realm. What I'm marrying into is not just a wonderful husband, but two wonderful kids, one of whom's a 10-year-old girl. And so femininity hits hard so deeply that it's something I want to step into well, that I want to steward well, that I want to teach well for a 10-year-old girl who's going to watch me do that. And so as I stand up here, know that I wrestle with this and know that I try to walk this out and know that as I figure it out, I don't get it perfect every time. And I think just understanding that as we walk into this will really help us set the stage for what the night's going to look like. So I want to start with some questions for you guys to ponder at your tables. How have you witnessed gender roles, whether in your home growing up, at church, in your school, whatever setting, while you were growing up? And then how does culture define femininity or what it means to be a woman? So we'll go about 10 to 15 minutes with those really light-hearted questions for you guys to talk about. So I really hate to cut off conversation at this point, but I think this concept could drive conversation for a very long time. And the reason for that is because when we talk candidly about this, the topic of femininity and women's roles in the church are actually hotly debated and contested. And they've been debated, discussed, they've been talked about, they've been written about for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I won't stand up and tell you that I have the answers because I wasn't able to read every book on biblical femininity and biblical masculinity in the past two weeks that I've been thinking through this. Um, but the honest truth is that I wrestle with this concept of femininity on an almost daily basis. In fact, this morning when I was getting ready, I skipped my time with God in order to make sure that my hair looked good for teaching y'all tonight. <laughs> and I don't even know if it looks that good, to be honest. <laughs> You got to say that. <laughs> but because of cultural influences, I believe that my femininity is tied to how skinny I am or how good my hair looks or how many likes I get on an Instagram post. Really just these vain attempts to quantify like how I'm showing up as a woman. Or I swing to the other side and land on feminism in which my femininity is based on the fact that I have to suppress masculinity in order to become more of a woman. And we see this pendulum swing from one side to the other. And we try to land in the middle. And so when we try to land in the middle, I look at a biblical influence. But even looking at a biblical influence, we can get some very different answers. Right? We see a traditional like mindset that emphasizes male leadership or more of an equal rights view, which addresses, addresses the differences but emphasizes equal roles in the church and in the home. And the hardest part about all these differing views is that I cannot stand up here and tell you which one is correct. 
And I can, also not, I can also not say that one of them is wrong. They're just different. And so that's the trickiest part. But we're going to... What we're going to start tonight, we're going to open our Bibles and actually in the first or second page to start a discussion on femininity, we need to start in the Garden of Eden and start with the creation of Adam and Eve. And so in Genesis 1:27 we read, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So I'm going to slow down and read it again. So God created mankind that's humanity. That's everyone. He created everyone in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So both men and women were created as image bearers of God, which means there's an inherent equality between men and women. However, God created both male and female which points to the fact that they are different. So they are equal and they are different. When we move into the next verse, we see in Genesis 1.28, the purpose for God creating both male and female. Right? He wants to be fruitful. He wants us to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue the earth, to have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. And all this puts together, all this put together suggests that he made us different because it accomplishes this in a way that if we were the same, this could not be accomplished. So then the question becomes, what unique role do women play in this image-bearing relationship? So if we read into the next chapter of Genesis, we go to Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So we're going to look at the second half of this verse. I will make a helper suitable for him. Women, that's us. We're the suitable helpers. And men, we're here to help you. So that's great news. But for women, and myself included, that suitable helper kind of felt like a crappy roll. Like God just rolled the dice and I got the worst two numbers that I possibly could. Um, and if I'm being honest, like, it felt almost like women were a second-hand thought to God. Like, I've got men, and, and then women are just here to help them. But when we look deeper at this, we can look at the Hebrew translation of this word, suitable helper. And it translates to azer konegdo. You want to say that? Azer konegdo. These words are very important. So azer is help provided by someone strong. And every other time it's used in the Bible, it's used to describe God. It is never once used to describe anyone else except for woman and God. And every other time it's used, it's in a military capacity. So this person holds the strength in a military capacity it's almost like saying it's a warrior. The second word, konegdo, is someone uniquely designed to come alongside. Not behind, but as a counterpart. And so women, we were designed to be warriors that come alongside others in order to advance God's kingdom. And I think that's way cooler than suitable helper. 
We come alongside the men in our lives. We get to come alongside our friends. We come alongside our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our parents. We're the warriors that are fighting the front lines alongside everyone else. And when we start here, we begin to understand that we're warriors made in God's image. We're not just the help. We're not just there as a side, side piece or a, if I need help, I'm going to go here. We are designed to come alongside everyone. And this is where God's design for femininity begins, with the Azer Konegdo, the warriors who are right alongside everyone else. And men, what I want you to do is think about the women in your life that come alongside you. Because there's probably been some pretty good examples, right? Have you seen your mothers, your sisters, your friends, possibly girlfriends, wives in this Azer Konegdo role in your life? And if you haven't, men, I'm sorry that women have let you down in that way. That we're here to step alongside you. And I really hope that opening this conversation allows us to be a space where we get to practice how women are the warriors that come alongside the men in this space. And so thinking about the Azer Konegdo, I want you guys to chew on this at your tables. Have you seen this version of femininity before? So who in your life fits this definition of, his, of an Azer Konegdo? And what do you like about this definition of femininity? Femininity. Femininity. Guys, <laughs> it just it feels like it just keeps going on my page. <laughs> the word never stops. Uh, what do you find easy to live with, and what are some of the more challenging aspects of this definition of femininity? So we'll go about 15 minutes with that one. So as we dig into this next section, what I think is, okay, this is great. This view of femininity, like, is, is pretty cool to be the Azer Konegdo. I like being the warrior alongside people. But what happened? When we look around, is this really what we're experiencing? And I think oftentimes we're not. And so if this is how God designed it, like, why do we not see it playing out in the way it's written in Genesis 2? So we're going to read further into Genesis this thing called the fall. Dun, dun, dun. The fall. Has anyone heard of the fall? <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is this turning point right away in the Bible, right? Genesis 3, the third chapter of this book. Um, and so the, the very first part of this, the crafty serpent makes his way into the garden. And he comes up to Eve and he says, hey, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit? Did he really? So he just has a simple question. Did he really say that? And then Eve says, well, yeah. Well, he said I can eat of any fruit from any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Satan, the serpent, he lies about it. He says, well, you will certainly not die if you eat that. Even though God had told Adam and Eve they'll die if they eat that. 
And so he slips this lie in, and it's here where we fall into Genesis 3, 6, where it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Y'all, this is, this is the fall right here. This is the original sin when Eve took that fruit and ate it and gave it to her husband. Now, the easy part here, and what I don't want to do, is we can easily get into a blame game here. Well, Eve fell for the trick, and she ate the fruit. Or Adam sat idly by as her husband and let her eat the fruit. But I don't even really want to get into that. I want to continue and look at some results of the fall. Specifically, when we look at relationships, the result of the fall was this, and we read in 3.16, your desire will be for your husband, God is talking to Eve at this point, and he will rule over you. So here's the relational problems that come in because of the fall. And this enters when we start seeing a power struggle between men and women. And we read that again, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. The partnership that God has created is now broken. And because of this struggle right here, we're not able to fulfill the purpose that God set for us to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue the earth, to have dominion over every living creature. We don't get to do that because now we have fallen and there's a broken image of male and female being image bearers of God. And so we see this today. We, we're in competition with each other all the time. I'm right, you're wrong. I texted him, he never texted me back. He should text me first. Or does he pay for the first date? What happens if he doesn't pay for the first date? And women, what we see too is we were designed to come alongside of men. Sometimes what we see is, well, if they're not going to do anything, I'm going to come in front of him and I'm going to tell him what to do. Right? We've heard that. She wears the pants in that relationship. This is the power struggle that happens in relationships now. And this fractured image in both men and women has led to destructive relationships all, since then. And many people have experienced some real hurts in relationships. And so I want to talk about this. What happens when a woman comes alongside a man and they're not protected? Or what happens when our Azer Kenegdo feels hurt beyond repair and feeling like a warrior who comes alongside someone feels impossible? How are we supposed to fight when we're that broken? And I want to encourage you in that. We're not alone in that feeling. And that's not how God designed it. And so there's opportunities to heal from that deep hurt that can happen in relationships. In fact, when I said I was going to talk about our Restore ministry, we have classes including boundaries that teach us to learn how to create safe relationships in our lives. We've got divorce care for those who are still healing from a broken marriage. 
And we've got wounded heart for those who've been sexually abused in relationships because what has happened as a result of this brokenness is that relationships have been hurt. Women have been hurt. Men have been hurt. We have been hurt with each other because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. And so we can pursue healing. And I think, unfortunately, we can even... We can even see people using the Bible to perpetuate some of the brokenness that we experience. Right? Remember how I said the term suitable helper just kind of is like, like, I don't want to do that. The reason I don't want to do that is because someone with a Bible told me what to do. And that rubbed me the wrong way. Right? And the way they use that can sometimes turn into like this misogynistic type power trip. And I don't think that only falls on the shoulders of men. But when that happens, I started to say, well, if that's how the church is, that must be how God is. And it made it really hard for me to heal through some of that brokenness that I had experienced when I walked in. But I think now is a great time to talk about what Jesus did on the cross for us. Because if we don't talk about Jesus... Then we're stuck there. We're stuck in brokenness and we're stuck in just hurt and all of this woundedness that we don't get to experience any of the joy that Jesus brings. I believe relationships are at the top of what he came to restore. Because he prizes our relationships. It's in relationship that we experience him. And we see him on the cross. His death and his sacrificial love, that's what equals the playing field. Right? We get the opportunity to relate as men and women when we realize that what Jesus did on the cross allows us to walk alongside each other again. And when we talk about femininity, we can't skip over Jesus. He said that he came so that we may have life and that we may have life to the full. And a way that we start to have life to the full is becoming more like Christ. And to become more like Christ, we have to lay our lives down And to lay our lives down, we have to show sacrificial love to each other. And this is the message of the gospel. You see, when we start to come alive in Christ, we represent our feminine and masculine selves in such a way that fits together so beautifully. We start to restore the image of male and female coming together as unique and equal image bearers of God. And we only do that when we come to the Christ, when we come to the cross and Jesus says, I'm here to restore you. I'm here to heal you. And so if we're feeling uncertain about it, we can look to the ways that Jesus continuously served over and over, and he died over and over again when he served those around him. And we can look to scripture to see that God's heart for women was never for them to be suppressed, but for us to flourish. In fact, wisdom is described as a woman. And in Proverbs, we see a man honoring her his wife, in the ways that she shows up for him. And God can be described as a mother. And the way that Jesus treated women in the Gospels was so countercultural to what they expected for Jewish men that he came and flipped that on its head and said that women, again, have this equal but unique part to play on the earth. And so as we come to the end here... I wrote all this and I left with all sorts of questions that I was asking myself. And they look like this. What do I need to do to become more like Jesus? 
How do I die to myself every day so that I become, can become more like Christ? So I can bear his image better so that I can walk alongside others better. And as I relate to others in professional, in personal, and in a romantic relationship, how do I show the sacrificial love of Christ? What does that actually look like for me? And how do I become the azer or the warrior alongside others to help this broken world? So there's some questions I want you guys to finish with here before I come back up. How has your idea of femininity been challenged throughout the night? And what lingering questions do you have about biblical femininity? And then as you relate to others, how do you show the sacrificial love of Christ? How do we begin to restore our image as image bearers of God. So we've got about 15 minutes there. Okay, so I know there's really, really great conversation, but I do really wanna be respectful of y'all's time um, and appreciate that it's quarter to nine. So. Uh, what I want to do is actually like, go back and circle back to the very beginning. So everyone take a deep breath. And we just covered a very difficult topic. And in no way do I stand up here and think that I have all the answers. Because like I said, I left with more questions than I did anything else. Um, and there are still like certain scriptures that I go into and ideologies that I'm massively confused about. But I think that's okay. And I want to encourage you, if there is anything tonight that, um, that you were interested in, that you want to know more about, maybe something made you feel a little uncomfortable, you felt a little tension around something, what I want to encourage you to do is don't stay quiet about that. So talk to someone about it. Maybe God, maybe some friends. But at least spend some time digging into that and say, hey, what, what about this made me kind of tense up a little bit? And if you have any lingering questions, we have a survey link. It's uh, questions.gateway-anchor.com. So you can go there. Week six of this series is actually going to be a panel. And so any questions that are submitted or if we have, do we have note cards on the table? Maybe not. No note cards on the table, so you have to use the link. Uh, so any questions that we have submitted, we're going to try to cover in our panel. So this is kind of like the catch-all of like, hey, you guys didn't quite cover this, and I want to know more about that. What do you think? Um, so you can go to that link. Um, and if you can't find anyone to talk to you about it, come and find me. You can email me. Um, you can email me at sarah underscore walch at gatewaychurch.com. I'll field all the emails that you guys send me usually within about 24 to 48 hours. But any questions, please come find me and don't stay quiet about it because this kind of stuff is really hard. And I think the enemy will try to convince you that you're alone and thinking that it's hard or thinking that you're the only one that's struggling with a certain concept that we're talking about. And so the more you can talk about that and bring that to light, I think the more that we're going to be able to walk forward really well into the next four weeks of this series. So to close tonight, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to have you guys break into like gender-specific groups of two to three people. Okay? So women with women, men with men. Um, for women, I want you guys to talk about 
just how does this change the way I live? Like, what are the immediate next steps that I take from tonight? And for men, the same, similar, how does this change the way I relate to women? So are there next steps that, I, that you need to take walking out of this space? And then finally, you guys are going to pray for each other in that group of two to three. So I'm not coming back up here. <laughs> Once your group has prayed for each other, you can hang out, chat, leave, whatever you want to do. If you're like, hey, Sarah, I don't really want to pray out loud with these people and everyone in your group agrees on that, raise your hands and I'll come over. <laughs> and I would love to pray for y'all if you're like, I'm not praying out loud. So uh, we'll, we'll break off into that and then that's all I got.